And then he said by himself that he holds the key of David, the greatest son of David. That what he opens, no one can shut, right? And we said, that is the sovereignty of the Christ. The sovereignty of Christ. He said, I am God. Whatever I do, nobody can contest. Indisputable. Incontestable, unassailable. His authority. And we said, it's a beautiful thing to worship a God with such authority, right? Can overrule Satan and everything. And he said, when that door is open for that church, we said it's the door for evangelism. Evangelism. Para servicio, for service. Serving the Lord, reaching out, baptizing them, announcing the king, talking about holiness, righteousness, and you're travailing because then your deeds will follow you there, right? And then we saw very clearly that when the door to evangelism ends, meaning when the church age ends, then now chapter 4 verse 1, that door becomes the door to the rapture. That's what we just read here. Then, then I saw a door standing open and the voice I had first heard speak to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I'll show you what must happen after this. After this is after the church age. Now the venue has changed. John was down here. Now he's up there. You don't hear the church being mentioned again. Chapters 2 and 3, church, church, church. From there now he's only seeing the throne. Can we read it? Hallelujah. The location has changed. He says, after this, I looked up and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And a voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Now you know that after this stands for Revelation chapters 2 and 3. After this stands for the church age. After which now things roll out. Now look at what he says. At once I was in the spirit. That is glorification. Hallelujah. That is glorification. He was transformed instantaneously. And that's why we are soon going to see that glorification only happens at the coming of the Messiah. Hallelujah. What a beautiful conference. I wish I had a stadium. Hallelujah. He was transformed. And that is called, not even transformation. Those are the ones, can you put the two prophets here in Kisumu? Those are the ones that will be translated. They will not provide, not taste death. So they don't need a resurrection. Those are the ones that are in the... the, 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 the this one, the one representing those who have died and then, and then represent those who will be translated. Hallelujah. He's saying, listen to me. At once he was translated. He was now glorified. No wonder if you listen to him, now he is seeing the throne of God and he has not yet died. He, he will not die by his, because he's there. He's not going to die for, because now he can survive there. That's why he must, he must glorify you for you to enter heaven. In fact, from today on in Konoin, we'll start working for glorification. I know you. Every single door in that village will know about glorification and they'll prepare. I know you. I know the way you do it. You do it unbelievably. Oh, yes. So glorification is what we work for. 
is the final remove of sin. Finally being in the image of Christ, now you have been packaged and processed, ready for the kingdom of glory. You are glorified for the new glorious heaven, for the new glorious earth, for the new glorious Jerusalem. You can now survive there. Hallelujah. So Jesus spoke mighty on that day, October 18th, 2021. Very mighty. He told them, you cannot focus on anything else horizontal with such a promise. You cannot. This is the highest treasure. Instead of looking for some money here, some women where, you cannot. You cannot. That's how I do it. You cannot. You cannot. The promise of glorification put in your hands. Wow. You change everything around you to align yourself with it. Because if you don't, you cannot. Hallelujah. And so, that is there, right there, when he said, at once I was in the spirit, and there before me was the throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. There you go. So now he can survive there. Now he can see the throne of God. That's why the prophets of Yahweh can go, oh, the Lord gave me the leaves. Oh, I saw the glory cover. The lamp came from there. And what talked with me? Then you can interact. You can take instruction and do the mission, right? Do the mission on the earth. Hallelujah. And so in the same New Testament, we have 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13, 14. Let's just read the Bible today. Because we don't know about tomorrow. These people are traveling, right? Aye. What a time. First Thessalonians chapter 4, our lead scripture throughout these sessions, this entire program of briefing, uh, prophetic briefing, briefing about the coming of the Messiah, has been this lead scripture, the cascade of the rapture. It says, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18. It says, Hermanos y hermanas, brothers and sisters, meaning the church, meaning the rapture is for the church alone. Just like when Jesus resurrected, he only showed himself to those who were his friends. So this one too, when he comes, only those who are his friends will hear his voice and be taken up. Hallelujah. That's why he said brothers and sisters. That is the church. It's not for atheists. Hallelujah. Yeah. So this is really a conversation in-house. So he's saying here, he says here, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed, ignorant, unenlightened, uneducated, and we saw that in big detail yesterday, about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who do not have hope. And I say it in that way, God is saying that he expects Christians, because of the hope of glorification, to live totally different from the rest of the world. That's what he's instructing. That you must be different in all aspects and manner of life. Because you, you have hope. If the economy is going badly, for you, you still have hope because you're saying, this is not my home, right? Are we together? Oh, yes. And he's saying here that, uh, so that, uh, uh, where are we? It says, uh, so that you don't grieve than the rest. Verse 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have died, fallen asleep in him. And in other words, he's talking about what? The body is the one sleeping. Because in the church age, Revelation 2 and 3, only the soul can be saved. And the body remains virtually unredeemed. But you receive, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. 
of redemption on the day of the rapture. So when he's saying asleep, the soul never sleeps. The soul goes straight. Remember Stephen? Acts chapter 7, we saw verses, is it 60 to, I mean 50 to 60? When Stephen saw heaven open, he saw the Lord and said, Lord, take my spirit. That now became the definition of death. Death is the disunion between the spirit and the body. Oh, yes. Jesus said, Lord, into your hands I surrender my spirit. Then he bowed. Death is the disunion, the separation between the body and spirit. And we saw very clearly that the Lord is saying right there that whenever you are created with life, you live forever. So you rather prepare for eternity. Death is not terminating. It's not the end. So there are only two destinations. destinations. It is either heaven or hell. So this is powerful. Here we are seeing that that is the promise. So the glorious resurrection is the foundation of our promise. It is the reason you too have been promised a glorious body I'll talk about now. Because Jesus did it. So you partake of, right? The first resurrection. Are we together? Hallelujah. And then he says very fast, because we're not in a temple, we don't have time. He says very fast here, fast, very quickly he says, for it's by the Lord's own word that we tell you the truth, that we were still alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have gone ahead of us. Saying, in other words, that God spoke. Jesus himself spoke in John chapter 14 verse 1. I am going to the Father. I will come back to take you there. He spoke about the rapture himself. It's not coined by human theory. Does not come from a theological college. Does not come from a philosophy. Does not come from a written book. It is God himself that ordained and spoke it that he will come and rapture the church. God's own word. It's not human. And then verse 16 he says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. That is also very serious. That you are so important that he will not send an archangel to pick you up and say, Nani, can you go down there and pull me those people and bring me? No. You are so important he will come down himself. Because for all these years, heaven was looking at the scars and the wounds and the abuse and the wondering, what is the fruit of the cross? And when they look at the earth, they see as if the church is losing the battle. As if Satan is winning the battle. Because every pastor who comes has fallen with this woman, has fallen with that man, has done what where, has done whatever. And so everything is ruined and the church is in sin as though she's crying for a second Calvary. It's as though the devil is winning. And yet in heaven they see the scars. They see the injury and abuse. So that's why when that day arrives, Jesus himself comes to take the glorious church. Let us clap to the Messiah, the glorious Lamb of God. That he does not send anyone. He comes himself. For the standing ovation, heaven, 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 heaven. Heaven to heaven. Yes. For the standing ovation. So he says, let's sit down and continue. So he says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will raise fast. The dead in Christ. Listen to this now. That one, the way he's coming. Does that sound to you like someone come to, coming to argue with the Pharisees? Coming to get tired and cross by foot to Bethany? He's coming like a victorious king. A triumphant king with a pomp and color. Pomp and circumstance. Pomp and circumstance. Pomp and color. Pomp and circumstance. He's coming with pomp and color. 
pomp and circumstance. It is not a joke. He is not coming to die for you again. Just make sure you get born again with the first Calvary. Hallelujah. The message is muy claro, very clear right there. That if he is coming as a glorious king, when I saw him, he had a crown. He has a golden crown. That is it. He is not coming down the cross again. So just get born again with the first Calvary. Hallelujah. This is serious. Light, put that light also on. This one here. Put this light on also. Hallelujah. It is on now. It's on now. Hallelujah. Sit down somebody. So, he is coming with pomp and circumstance. Pomp and color. As a triumphant king. As a victorious king. He is not coming to walk in the byways and the sideways and the highways to preach the gospel again. Not at all. He is simply coming to take those who are waiting for him. Waiting for him. Only they he will take. Ay, this is very powerful. We need to prepare for the Messiah, right? Verse 17. So, verse 16 is saying that those who have died earlier will benefit first from the rapture. And remember, we saw that their souls go into heaven in, look, conscious. The word is conscious presence of the Lord. Conscious. And they are given intermediary bodies because they are given garments to wear. White robes. But when they come, then their body now. Their real body, whether it was crushed in a bomb or in a train wreck or what, the Lord will, by shouting from heaven, will reconstitute it instantaneously. The way he reconstituted the rotting, pass-filled, fluidy body of Lazarus. He called the cells to go back to where they were before. And the RNA and the ribosomes and the cytosolic what, the nuclear DNA nucleus, he called them instant to reconstitute back. Harakasana! And he said, Lazarus, come out. And we saw that if he had said, come out, everybody would have come out of the graves, right? But he mentioned Lazarus. So Lazarus came out alone. So that is the power we are going to see now. The power for transforming our bodies. But he's saying here that in the New Testament, this event here is another scripture in the New Testament that promises glorification, right? Because he's talking about the change. He says, Again, we, we go to First Corinthians where we say flash in a flash in a second. It says, after that, we, we, still alive, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them. Caught up is your rapture. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Again, the instruction is 18. That encourage one another with these words. In other words, he has terminated death. On that day, sin has been removed from your life. That means death has been removed from your life. But you cannot be transforming and going, rather going up there unless you are glorified, right? And then 1 Corinthians chapter 15 also we are reading real quick. Verses 50. Ay, ay, there's so much scripture, you people. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, right? Ay, ay, ay. Primera Corinthians. I wish we can even take a 30 minutes. Let's just go without break, right? If you want to go, you go and come, right? If anyone wants to go and refresh, you go and come. 1 Corinthians 15, Primera Corinthians, versículo 15, I mean, capítulo 15, versículo 50, al 58. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 58, right? And he says the following, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, who are those Christians, right? That flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because not yet redeemed. Oh, yes. Only redeemed on the day of rapture, right? 
Okay, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Yes. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He said, listen, I tell you a mystery. We said the mystery is not resurrection. The mystery is the church and the mystery is the rapture. The mystery is a secret that God had not revealed in the Old Testament but now has come out to reveal. By his revelation now you see it, right? Hallelujah. And he says, so I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed. That is glorification. We will all be changed. At what time? When does glorification take place? At the last trumpet. You can even pin out the exact moment when glorification takes place. He says, but we will not, he said, again, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Then he says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. So you can tell the exact moment when glorification will take place. At the last trumpet, then everybody glorified. Hallelujah. That is serious. Very serious promise, right? Hallelujah. Going on right here. That's another scripture. And then Colossians chapter 127. In the New Testament, another scripture talking about glorification. And all this is just preamble to give me away now. Once you are at this level, then we can now go into the message. There is an instruction. And it's going to come from Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, 21. And also First John, as we saw, chapter 3, verse 2. There is an instruction. Before we go to the instruction, let's just get everybody to the same page, right? Everybody happy with me? That is suspicious. So now, uh, Colossians chapter 127, right? Colossians 127. I need to find it myself, then I read it. It says the following. Can anyone who wants to go and refresh, please, you just go and refresh and come back. You just walk through the, the, the red carpet here and go. You tell him if he wants to go. And then you just go and come back. Just go and walk, stretch a bit as you go to refresh and you come back. You, you, I don't know this, right? It's not good to grab water because you'll have to make many missions, right? But you just go and come back, right? You just go and come back on your own. So he's saying, Colossians, blessed people, Colossians chapter 1, he says, verse 27. And he says the following. Let's read it together. Verse 27, he says, he says, To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is a scripture promising glorification of the church. Now you can go to, uh, is this Chepsion or is, what's the place called? Chepsion in Kericho East or West. Let me not touch on Gasheru. My name is Askopu Gasheru. I said, but you are my son. I know you. I've been blessing you daily. Why are you trying to scare me? <laughs> so, you go there and tell them that. You go there and tell them that. That God has promised glorification even in Colossians chapter 127. The hope of our glory is Jesus. Right? That is powerful. And he goes on to say, Matthew 13, 43. Are you still here? 
Matthew 13, 43. Let it really work for tonight. Because I have a message I have not yet delivered, right? Matthew 13, 43 for this introduction. Says the following. Once you are there, read together. Amen? Yes. 13, 43 says, Then the righteous, then which people? The righteous. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear these things. That is glorification he's talking about. That in the kingdom of glory you shine that way. So we don't know the levels. We don't know the levels. We don't know the levels. We don't understand the levels. Because when he looked at the Messiah, he was like the sun in his brightest. So we don't know the levels. We don't know. Because he's saying the righteous will also shine like the sun. That is serious promise. You cannot ignore it, right? Hallelujah. You tell them that. Hallelujah. Very good. That is glorification. Like the sun. And the opposite of that is called the lake of fire. That is serious. The opposite of that is unbelievable. Right? Hallelujah. So Romans chapter 8 we read 16 to 17. Still in the New Testament. Scriptures that celebrate glorification. Right? Romans chapter 8 if you get with me there. Hallelujah. Everybody on board. He's saying the following. Verses 16. Romans chapter 8 16 and 18. Romans chapter, yeah, thank you. So 8, 16, 18. It says the following. In 16. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. That's inheritance. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering. In order that we may also share in his glory. So that is it. So glorification is anchored on persecution. We are now starting to talk, right? It's actually anchored on Christian suffering. Actually it's anchored on Christian suffering. Glorification. That you cannot be glorified unless you have suffered for Christ. Wow. I'm talking to a church that does not like suffering. That is serious. That is now awake awakening. That you must be persecuted to be glorified. Oh, that is unbelievable. And that's why, if you listen very well to the book, the scripture we read yesterday, which is uh, Revelation 14.13, where he was saying, Blessed are those who die in Christ, in the Lord, for they will rest from their labor and their works will follow them. It was a call to martyrdom. If you listen very well, it was actually a call to become a martyr, to die for Christ. But now you can see here what glorification is inviting you to. This is serious. And then verse 18 he says, 
I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That is glorification. And he's saying, in the light of the promised glorification, you should be able to give up anything, go through anything. You say, just a moment. i rather go through anything and have eternity in glory than to avoid suffering, avoid standing for Jesus for just a few years and suffer eternally in the lake of fire. Because the truth is that everybody must die. Nobody lives forever. So if you don't suffer for Christ now, you don't want to suffer, you reject Jesus because you don't want to go to prison, but you can only live for a few years and then you will die. And that's why our choice is clear. We rather choose Jesus and suffer for him and then eternally glorified. Hallelujah. Very serious. The scriptures that celebrate glorification in the New Testament. And he's saying, Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 12. As I finish now with this. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Hallelujah. As I get to start the message now. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 12, he says. Verse 12. Says, We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus. That's very powerful. He's saying, you ought to pray for it. Uh-huh. So now he's starting to engage you, right? That you need to be praying, looking forward to it, suffer for it, pray for it, right? And Romans chapter 5, verse 2, as I finish this introduction. Romans chapter 5, verse 2 is important. He says the following. This is just introduction, so we begin the message. He says, ah, verse 2, he says, okay, through whom we have gained access, verse 1, he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of glory of God, the glory of God. So he's saying, it's an honor for God to choose you to be glorified. It's a great honor for him to choose you that he wants to glorify you, make you look like Christ. So he's saying, okay, uses the word boast. But he's saying that is what cuts the edge, the difference between the apostate church and the holy church, between the holy church and the world, between biblical Christianity and the world, right? Biblical Christianity and the world. Thank you. Hallelujah. Very serious. And then we can read Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 10 later. So I want us to start going step by step. Uh, can we finish up some other things here? Um, he promised in that vision the body, right? Tell them when the rapture, go tell them that when the rapture takes place, they will have bodies like mine. Body. Glorious body. Right? So let's just run through some introduction on bodies, then I go straight to the message, right? 
Are we together? Yes. And so, he said, in the book of Jude 24-25, glorification is to be made perfect. And then, in John chapter 26-28, John chapter 26-28, John chapter 20, verses 26-28. John 20. Because time is running now. John chapter 20. 26 and 28. He says the following. He says, A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the door was locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your hand, put your finger rather, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it on my side. Stop doubting and believe. That's very serious. He promised a glorious body. So we are looking at the glorious body before we start, right? On the instruction. The glorious body he promised. He's saying that he entered where they were suddenly. And then he told Thomas to come and touch the wound. in that glorious body, resurrection body. Eternal body. But there was no bleeding. There was no blood. As Thomas was touching those wounds. So that body lacks blood. That's amazing. Yes. Does not have a circulatory system. That is serious. I think we are now starting to get quite deep, right? Yeah, to have now a body without blood. Like the battle cedar just touched his chin. <laughs> it is that much, yeah. That is how you respond. Otherwise, because otherwise he would have bled there. He would have bled, bleeding on them. Let's just move on with the glorious body. Mark chapter 16 verse 14. Mark chapter 16 verse 14. The body he promised in that vision. Go tell them that when the rapture takes place, they will have bodies like mine. In other words, glorious bodies like his. Mark 16 14, he says the following. Then we start the message after this. He says, Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So, can appear anyway, right? And we saw on the way to Emmaus, can change. 
can change, so you are not able to detect him. They walked with him throughout. In fact, they even entered the house and he sat in front of them. They could not detect until he broke the bread and he said, thank you. That's when they detected him. Wow. Just a little bit of the glorious body. And recognizable, sometimes unrecognizable, can change the appearance. Luke 24, 13, you can also read there, 35, where he changes the appearance. They are not able to detect him. At one point, they thought he's a ghost. And so, that body, because it says, the final removal of sin. So, the curse has been removed from that body, obviously, Revelation 22, verse 3. And then, Revelation 22, verse 20, where now, even when now John has seen all this, then he cried and said, Lord, then Jesus come. Then Lord Jesus come. Meaning, it's so marvelous. There are things we don't know yet much. It is so marvelous. You want him to come now. Right? So that it is realized in your life. So I want us, again, still on the glorious body, just a little bit before we start. The glorious body. So that glorious body will be powerful. Read for me now. I think I need reading. First Corinthians 15.43 That body will be very powerful. Primera Corinthians 15. Versículo 43 the Bible says, the book of 1 Corinthians 15, 43, the Bible says, it is shown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. So that's very powerful. So, it's an honorable body. It's a glorious body as we have seen. Continue. It is shown in weakness, it is raised in power. It's a powerful body. If you are listing out, down for your churches, I mean for yourself also, you have seen that it is honorable, it is glorious body, it's powerful body. Continue. It is shown in a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. It's a spiritual body. You see what the Lord spoke in that vision. That's very powerful. It's a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And then First Corinthians, if you, can you read for me First uh, Corinthians 15 verse 56? Verse 56, First Corinthians 15. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. And so, anyway, if you read from, we have read already First Corinthians, you see very clearly that it's an eternal body. That's why it's the last stage. So now that's the eternal entry. And then, John chapter 12, verse 32. The Bible says, the book of John chapter 12 and verse 32. The Bible says, and I when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Very powerful. First Corinthians 15, 38, I read them together. 15, 38. The Bible says, First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 38, the Bible says, but God gives it a body as he has, as he has determined, and to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. So, he, in other words, he's saying it will also be individual, right? It will be an individual kind of body. Oh, sorry, the Chinese are not yet. Yes, so it will also be an individual body. Hallelujah. It will also be an individual body. Meaning, 
people can see you, sometimes they can tell it is you, but sometimes they are not able. That is a mystery, very powerful mystery, right? And then, First John chapter 3, verse 2, he said it would be like the body of Christ, right? Again, First Corinthians 15, 47, 49, 47, 49. The Bible says the book of first a Corinthians. heavenly body. The Bible says the book of First Corinthians chapter fifteen verse forty-seven. The first man was of the dust of the earth; the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as in is in the heavenly man, and so are also those who are of heaven. And so, when you read the book of Matthew. Chapter 17, verses 1 to 2 or 3, where there is transfiguration. So, what does that tell you? That tells you that Jesus now was walking with them, came with his disciples up there. I mean, let's say, came with his disciples up there. They see him every day. And then when he, he came with them, he came with them climbing up. When he reached there, then he turned and did like, do you really know me? And then he closed. So revealing the hidden divine nature. Oh yes. His hidden divine nature. A glorious body like the one in transfiguration. Do you really know me? They were very shocked. They saw him radiantly. And in Second Peter 1.4 just find where to sit, my sons. If you have come, find where to sit. Get the recordings. And this is powerful. Get the recordings. Very powerful. Move on. The Bible says, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Through this, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So, does, so, so he promises. That's an invitation to participate in his glory. But we saw that when he's on the mountain of transfiguration, he's displaying his divine glory that was hidden. He had not revealed it to them. His hidden nature. The glory he was with in the beginning that actually sometimes they say he shared. But you think, I don't think he shared it because, I mean, the Bible says he shared the glory. But he showed them the glory that he was with in the beginning. Hallelujah. And so, um, the, the book of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. We, we need to finish this so I can get started. Time is running out. The Bible says, the book of Philippians chapter 2. And so, the glorious, glorified body. So, if you're learning to read, I think I'm moving on now. Very good. So now, can we get to the message of glorification now? Yeah, because of time. Let's now get to the message of glorification. It's quite tremendous. Hallelujah. This is quite serious now. The message of glorification. And the scripture we're going to bank on are two scriptures. The first one, which is the lead scripture, which might take us throughout, is Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. That's now our lead scripture today. That is our baseline scripture, our foundation today. That is it. Now we are beginning the service, right? 
Philippians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Because I'm tired, my daughter from China is laughing at me. My feet are on fire. Since Brazil, I've not rested my feet, my daughter from China. It's all right. What's your name, my daughter from China? I first say, She She. Lusni. thank you so much. The Lord bless you. We are going to meet later with all, right? To talk about the church there. I'm praying for the church there. I'm very happy in my heart about the church there since you took over, right? Very powerful and will work with everybody, right? Thank you so much. Because our feet are on fire. <laughs> she had me sighing a sigh of relief. I mean, breathing out, right? We didn't rest from Brazil, right? Now, have you gone to Philippians chapter 3, blessed people? Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Very good. Verse 20. Can I stop for a moment? How is the air conditioning here today? You say, hey, you're pointing at the two, right? And the other one? Yes, so heaven has come down here. So you don't want rapture anymore? <laughs> Allow me. Okay, Philippians chapter 3, por favor. Verses 20 and 21. I want us to go step by step because this is very critical. This is now the message. The message of glorification, this one here now. Hallelujah. And he's saying the following. Philippians chapter 3, 20 to 21, he says, But, pero, in Spanish, I think in Portuguese, must, he say, but, when you say but, it will definitely refer to all of the above, right? All of the above. About something that's above there, right? Okay. In fact, he's coming in contradistinction to what is above. But, okay, he's saying, again, but our citizenship is in heaven. That is very serious. In other words, he's saying that there is a narrative that has been going on up here. There is a conversation that has been going on up here. And say, however, for us, our citizenship is in heaven. So right away, many things bombard your head right there. Saying, when it's time for the Lord to talk about glorification of the church, then the first thing he says is that you don't belong to the earth. That's the first thing he raises. He right away separates the church. He separates the church. When it's time for the Lord to talk about the glorification of the church, then the first thing he does is to separate the church from the world. He says, but, I'll tell you why he's saying, but, all of the above, our citizenship is in heaven. So when he mentions citizenship, the first thing that bombards you is civil authority, government, republic, country, some laws, the privileges, obeying the rules, whatever. You know, now those things come in and you say, wow, there are some rules we are supposed to be obeying. So much comes authority, government, right? 
citizenship has to do with a passport. You're given a passport. Meaning, he's saying, when it comes to glorification, then heaven now claims ownership of you. Those are just, I'm just bombarding the head. When you hear citizenship, those are from your own passport, from your own citizenship. You can just tell that your passport reads things. Someone is owning you. Hallelujah! Someone is claiming you in their passport. And there are laws of that country that you must obey. All those citizenship, those people, that group together, there are certain laws all of them must obey. And then there are privileges. When you read the passport, sometimes you hear somebody saying that, please, whenever you see the holder of this passport, give them help and quick passage on behalf of so and so. These are privileges. So he's talking about some authority, some government, republic, country, civil rules, rights and privileges. Those are the things that bombard you and there are certain rules. Everybody obeys them. Wow. When the Romans were conquering the world, they used to send the Roman governor and the Roman army and the commander, centurion, to take care of the regions they have conquered, right? And those Romans, when they came from Rome, in those countries where they were working, they continued speaking Roman language. They continued eating food like Roman foods. They continued speaking, uh, uh, singing Roman songs. If you find the senior, the, the, the way they are celebrating the holiday of Rome in that country, that territory, colony, colonia, you find them dancing in the Roman way, Roman culture, culture, cultura. They are in a strange land, but they maintain the Roman food, Roman language, Roman culture. They obeyed the Roman laws there. So they expositioned, exposed the Roman civilization over there. Civilization. If there's a word in, in civilization, civilization, civilization. They exposed. So when people saw them, say, wow, those are Romans. And so this is very serious for the church. The Lord is saying that we too, in like manner, if we belong to another kingdom, then that kingdom we belong to has its own rules. That kingdom we belong to has its own civilization. And when we are out in a foreign land, we need to be exposing the civilization of that kingdom. That when the people of this place, the earth, they look at us, they say, wow, look at that civilization of heaven. If the civilization of heaven is portrayed in the holiness of those people. Then they look at our holiness and say, wow, those are the people of heaven. In other words, he's saying that when it's time for the Lord to speak about glorification of the church, then he says that the earth is not our home. 
Meaning, we are strangers here. We are foreigners here. We are sojourners here, tenants here. The book of Leviticus chapter 25 verse 23. Rapidamente. Let's begin from there. Now that is the instruction. And he's saying we should be influencing the people of this earth with the culture, the language and civilization of where we come from. Jesus himself said, my kingdom is not of this world. And he said, you are not of this world. Why? Because the kingdoms of this world, every five years there must be, what? An election. They are temporary. And yet the kingdom of heaven, we saw the rock that smote the statue and a mountain of a rock was formed. Permanent, eternal, crushed all the others. It's a more permanent, it's a permanent kingdom, an eternal kingdom. Hallelujah. Do you now understand? And he says that there are certain laws we must be obeying if we belong to that kingdom. That's why I said, when you just hear citizenship, you just think of your passport. That's the first thing. Or your ID, national ID. And it talks about republic, government, authority, republic, citizenship, rights, laws, obeying, and all those things, right? Responsibilities. Hallelujah! And then when you look at the church today, they have not done that. They are portraying the culture of this place. This culture has absorbed them. And it is true today. If you look at the modern Christianity, it has been mixed with the present day culture. Dressing, everything, culture. So, so that is a tragedy. The instruction in the Bible for glorification is totally different. Totally different. That we must be different. Say, but we are different from these people. We, our citizenship is in heaven. Can I go step by step? Look, I said uh, Leviticus chapter what? Leviticus 25, 23. Let's see what he says. Hallelujah. We now begin the journey. The book of Leviticus 25, verse 23. Let's see if I find it, I read it. He says, Leviticus 20, is it 25, 23, or 23, 25? 25, you say, uh, 23, 25, I think. Huh? Let me find, it's what? It is 25, 20, oh, it's over there. Oh, okay, so it's over here. He says, the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you reside in my land as sojourners, as tenants, as foreigners, as pilgrims, as strangers. Hallelujah. When it comes for the Lord to now talk about glorification, then now the first thing he says, your citizenship does not belong here. You don't even belong to this world. That you belong to another place, another kingdom, another place. If you increase my volume one notch, just one notch, a little bit. Another place. He says that maybe someone has touched one of the speakers here. Hallelujah. So that, that is better. So he's saying, okay, the sharpness is down. Okay, thank you. 
I don't know why anyone touched. Why is Eugene not in charge? He's pointing at people and looking at people. And Randy is normally totally in charge. Now it's okay. You have increased. It's okay. Why is Eugene not in charge? He's pointing at interns. Unbelievable when the Lord is speaking. And yet Randy would be totally in charge. So this is very serious, blessed people. He's saying that when it comes to time for the Lord to talk about glorification, then the first thing the Lord does, He separates you from this world. The first thing He talks about is separation. Total separation from this world with His language, with His culture, with His ways, with His lifestyle. In other words, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 al 18. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 18, where it says, What has righteousness got to do with wickedness? He says, That when it's time for the Lord to speak about glorification of the church, then the first thing he says, there is a citizenry. In other words, there is an authority over us. We are not free spirits. We are not free spirits that do what you want. There, like a citizenship of Italy, of Germany, there is an authority above you, and there are responsibilities. Uh-huh. And those responsibilities, you have, you have to do them. In some countries, you have to go to the army. Once you are 18 and then you come back. That's when you go to university. Again, he has cut off this speaker here. This second speaker. Aye, aye, aye. The other one is okay, but this one is removed. I don't understand what the issue is. And so, this is serious. He says, uh, let, someone has just cut it off totally. Now it's off. Total is off now, this speaker here. It has died. Someone has just touched it and killed it. When Randy comes, Randy is always very powerful. It's something you just did there. Hallelujah. He is talking about citizenship. If there are people who are sitting around there, you can move now and sit on this other side. So you give way. Find way to sit and clear that place. Totally clear. Now look, I'm in the middle of a message. 